Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify. Hello everyone, this is Carlos again for another special episode of the e-commerce growth show. Uh, this is the New Year's edition, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit different uh, edition that we're doing. And I'm joined today, I'm honored to, to be joined today by Michael Vax. Uh, we had a super cool conversation last week. Michael has uh, an incredible breadth of experience in e-commerce and, and, and retail, really, technology for the most part. But Michael, instead of having me you know, talking a lot about your career, I think the most important, and I always ask the same question, I start off with the with the big picture sort of question. So who are you, man? I mean, your career is amazing. You know, you've worked at Elastic Path, SAP Hybris, um, a bunch of e-com platforms. Now you have a, an e-commerce uh, school, so to speak as well, or a digital commerce, uh, not only e-commerce, but digital commerce school um, and course. So maybe you can introduce yourself and then we get to, you know, why education is really important these days. And we talk about technology and a bunch of other stuff that we we, we spoke last week. Thanks. Sure. <laughs> Thank you, Carlos. Yeah, I'm uh, happy to be here. Um, yeah, I kind of done a lot of different things in in my life because I had a long career for a quite substantial amount of time. Probably half of my career, I was uh, doing real stuff, actually doing development. Then uh, crossed to the bad size and started to manage people and running organization. But uh, joking outside, uh, about 15 years, uh, for the last 15 years, I'm doing e-commerce. I uh, really was uh, very lucky to work with a number of e-commerce platform vendors. I was CTO of Elastic Pass. I was uh, head of uh, uh, e-commerce at uh, SAP Hybris. I was VP of product for uh, Spryker. This is German e-commerce, uh, upcoming e-commerce platform. So that really kind of gave me uh, a lot of experience. and. Um, I haven't, when I started on this journey, I kind of haven't expected that it's uh, going to take me uh, that long. And it's also, I'm going to be staying in e-commerce. When I started in e-commerce, I, 15 years ago, I thought, okay, what to do there? There's a shopping cart. Uh, there's already <laughs> a lot of different software that can implement shopping cart. But uh, we all uh, who are connected to industry saw just um, how amazing this journey was. And still is like uh, it's growing like crazy. It's uh, getting into more and more different industry and different use cases. So it's a fun place to uh, uh, to be. A lot of innovation, and I'm just enjoying uh, doing this. And at some point, I also understood there's a need to start sharing my experience and to help industry to grow because so many new businesses coming to e-commerce. And every, with everything growing, people are really missing uh, people who are trained, people who understand the commerce and understand big uh, uh, like best practices and things like that. So that's kind of led to my last chapter in my career, hopefully not last, but uh, the current chapter in my career that I started uh, Commerce uh, is Digital, um, which is statement. It's basically saying every commerce, doesn't matter what you're doing, any commerce is digital now. And I'm focusing on um, training uh, professionals who involved in implementing e-commerce and uh, also doing consulting and helping um, different businesses to find the uh, digital commerce roadmap. Very nice. Uh, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, before we get into the commerce part, 
So you are originally from uh, from Russia, Moscow. Then you mm-hmm. uh, you you moved to Canada. You studied engineering. Is that it? Uh, according to your LinkedIn. Ah, well, what I studied? I studied actually uh, physics. Physics, nice. Yes, <laughs> physics, optics, uh, lasers, and things like that. But um, right in the university, I kind of got involved in software development mm-hmm. and spent all my life in software development. I never worked in physics. <laughs> okay. and, and and how about this opportunity? <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, so you, you start, you had the first job at Schnex. I don't know the name of the company, if it exists uh, oh, as an e-commerce. We, we really need to go that far. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting because we're going to, you know, uh, the reason why I asked those questions yeah. and I told you about your journey as a hero, we're going to talk about commerce and they're really interesting because what I want to know, you worked at that company and here it says uh, some time ago. <laughs> uh, and you worked there and what what was different from commerce today? Because I think it's interesting to define maybe commerce, uh, maybe a little down the road. But what what changed? You know, what what mm-hmm. are the changes? Because you said it started with a shopping cart, fine. And today, sure. <laughs> what's changed? You know, and then we're gonna talk about new business models. We spoke about marketplaces. We spoke about yeah. so there are so many interesting things in that journey, and that's really what I, where, where I want to get at. Um, okay. Uh- Probably uh, at the beginning of career, I was not involved in e-commerce. E-commerce hasn't been invented at that time. Yeah, I was developing a number of email systems, uh, communication system, e-learning systems. When I was doing email, I really need to explain to people what it is. What do I do? <laughs> so it was that a long time ago. But uh, returning to e-commerce, I think uh, that um, one thing that uh, really changed is how businesses started to look at e-commerce because initially it was, okay, I have my uh, business, I have my retail or in B2B, I have my sales channel, my my sales force, my distributors and all of that. And it's working very fine. But now this is internet coming and everybody's saying I need to have a website and then I probably need to put some information about my products there. So this kind of was uh, how it's all started. And then, of course, innovative companies went more than uh, beyond just putting their catalog online, but they provided transactional uh, uh, capabilities. But uh, still, uh, e-commerce was seen as a kind of separate thing on the site. Yeah, I remember uh, discussion having discussion with people saying, uh, "Okay, uh, why should we invest in e-commerce? E-commerce is just one percent of our revenue, and ninety-nine percent is there." Yeah. And uh, at that time, people haven't even uh, thought that uh, the fact that people can discover product on the internet contribute to the traditional channels as well. Yeah, there was no way to measure it and um, all of that. Yeah? So um, we went uh, beyond there and kind of e-commerce became uh, industry by itself. And um, people started to really put uh, attention to this as number of e-commerce, specialized e-commerce platform uh, software has been developed, yeah, and I was uh, part of this journey and uh, leading this development in a number of companies. Um, and uh, so e-commerce became as, as important or sometimes uh, uh, even more important uh, than traditional channels. There also were a lot of successful companies who are kind of online only. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the pure players. 
the pure players. Yeah. Um, then the brand kind of started to uh, think about, okay, uh, we have these um, multiple channels now, those online channels, the traditional channels, but they, so we kind of have multi-channel, but it's all kind of separate, yeah? And uh, when customer is coming to uh, our store, we have no idea what he bought online. And when he coming online, we don't know that he's already uh, uh, has a membership in our loyalty program uh, and registers in store. Yeah? So um, that was obviously a problem because uh, customers want to have a standard experience with a brand. Yeah, that's really they don't care about uh, about channel. So this led to omni-channel um, evolution, kind of next step in into this. So when uh, you're coming to online store, they know who you are. And when you come to retail store, they also know who you are. So kind of this information about customers started to share about the, uh, um, across the channel. Mm -hmm. And now we are in a phase when uh, it's not only customer, you know about who's customer, but we also have uh, order fulfillment and purchasing process unified across channel. So here comes a, a scenario when um, buy online, pick up in store, uh, buy in store, return uh, uh, online. And basically it's really you're treating all this customer journey, customer can cross from one channel to another. It's not about knowing about customer, but customer journey in transactional journey can cross across channels. So this is stage where we're right now. This is kind of one of development uh, that I'm really excited about. I was just uh, walking on the street uh, um yesterday and uh um told my wife i need to stop and take picture for my blog and she mm -hmm. kind of, okay we're just walking on the street yeah why i did it because i saw supermarket with a um outside they had big uh set of lockers built in this click and collect written uh right 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 big letters, sorry, yeah so now we kind of see that industry jargon becoming part of our everyday life mm -hmm. yeah so here we see that there is a, a modern supermarket that allows people to walk in and buy, allows people to uh, buy online. And when store is, they can still come to the store, store may be closed already, but there are lockers when they can uh, really uh, collect the food that they, they bought. Yeah. So this is a, a quite interesting sign, and of course, accelerated by pandemic. Uh, so yeah, yeah, very interesting. One of the same. I think it's really interesting what you're saying. Uh, we're going to get to the school and education part because I, I love it. But for example, you said that, well, when commerce started the uh, e-commerce, sorry, um, it probably didn't even represent 1% of the revenue of some businesses. Let's call them legacy businesses, right? And today, for example, I have uh, one of the guys who run the e-commerce growth show with me in, in the US. His name is Scott Emans. When he left Neiman Marcus, the e-commerce represented 35% of the total revenue of the business. So I think they were mm -hmm. doing nearly $1 billion uh, coming from the e-commerce. Uh, one guy, or uh, Mariano from Vitex, you know, Geraldo, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mariano used to say that when e-com reached the 10% point in revenue, it's usually when the executives, they would, they would say, whoa, you know, <laughs> this is some serious stuff uh how do you see that do you see a change in let's let's talk about the the, the mind of boards and executives these days and because uh, i think that's very important right when we're talking about 
technology adoption, uh, digital adoption, so to speak. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think there's other realization uh, happening is not only uh, kind of what is percentage of my revenue because people stop seeing this as a, as a separate channel. Mm -hmm. The question is how much of this uh, uh, online um, presence contribute to my other channels? Nice. And this is much important. Then all of a sudden you say, hey, it's actually instead of uh, it may be 10%, I can, my ERP shows it's 10%, but in reality, it probably affects half of my business. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so you can also, um, I'm really excited about how uh, things are happening also in B2B channel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you're also saying, hey, uh, how e commerce or online tools, can help my sales team to be more productive. So we're talking about traditional channel, enterprise sales team, B2B sales team, working directly with customers, but they are not taking orders by phone or by email and typing in some unusable ERP interface or the management system. They're actually using all the power of e-commerce, optimized, usable, uh, great customer experience tools to do it. Yeah. So the question is for an executive mind should be how my digital commerce tools and my investments in digital commerce can increase productivity of my sales team. Mm -hmm. How to make them to focus more on helping customers with complex questions, kind of sharing their expertise versus taking the recreative orders. Yeah. How we can optimize request for quote process with digital tools. So it's completely different uh, ball game now because we also see conversions of uh, physical retail with uh, uh, digital. Yeah, there's uh, other very interesting trend. So yes, 10% is absolutely a, a good threshold, but I think now people are not looking at them as a separate. So you can, overall, how it's affect my business in a big way. This is how it affects your business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting, and so that's I think that's the perfect segue maybe to talk about education these days because uh, I think you have various scenarios when you have to talk about digital strategy or digital commerce strategy, you know, because you have social, you have infrastructure, you have so many contact points for a customer to start their journey. And what I want to ask you then is like. What's your, when you're consulting clients, and I'm sure you're not consulting small fish there, um, you know, what's the typical assessment uh, that you do? Because you, you showed me a really nice uh, scheme that you have in your e-commerce school. We're going to promote that as well. Uh, but what is usually an assessment? So, so you can start a conversation with a, you know, a, a client, let's say that they're in retail, they're not in B2B. We can talk about B2B soon. But what, what's usually, um, you know, an assessment you do so you can start consulting them and, and helping them in that journey? Does, does that make sense? You know, absolutely. I kind of, um, one of the things that I was uh, trying to uh, create is that uh, I wanted to identify kind of common patterns in digital commerce. Yeah. And the patterns that are applicable across different industry and different type of businesses. Because if you do that, then you can start sharing best practices and learning, again, across all different types of industries and different types of businesses. Yeah? Um, 
my experience really helped me because um, especially when I was at uh, SAP Hybris, uh, I started my work there by developing e-commerce solution for industries that you usually not associate with e-commerce. Yeah? Uh, we developed solution for telcos, for insurance companies, for travel industry, even for government. Right. And um, by doing this, actually, it helped me to identify that, yes, they are very different businesses. But when it comes to digital commerce, all of them have products in catalog. Product can be insurance policy, or product can be uh, your uh, uh, mobile cell phone plan, or product can be um, just uh, clothes or some piece of electronics. Yeah, but it's still a product. Yeah, the same. You go through checkout experience, you go through product discovery, and all that. So that kind of um, exposure to all different industries and B two C and B two B helped me to uh, kind of actually pushed me to start thinking about how do I structure it. Yeah. And uh, then also when I started to um, develop my course, I needed to have structure. I didn't want it to have kind of, where do you start? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I created this um, uh, digital commerce canvas. I like overall canvas approach. I think yeah. we're all familiar with this, with the business canvas, with Lean Startup canvas. So um, that was kind of a good way to look at it because I uh, always uh, start conversation uh, from kind of, I want to go top down, yeah? Because uh, some companies start developing the e-commerce requirements um, just in old uh, RFP uh, uh, way with a really huge uh, 2000 line spreadsheet where uh, very important points are, <laughs> are mixed with uh, some minicular uh, uh, feature requests, yeah? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go to uh, go from top down. So this way I developed this um, digital commerce canvas that basically starts with um, four fundamental questions. Who are your customers and how you reach them? Yeah. Um, what are our products and how you help customers to find them? Then what's your pricing? How much you charge? Yeah. And the fourth one kind of goes to the uh, customer experience part. Yeah, um, what's your kind of your buying experience? So then I uh, really created this canvas that has these eleven components: customers, channels, product, product discovery, uh, product merchandising. How to connect your products together? Yeah, your prices, promotions, shopping cart, checkout, payment, and orders. Would you like to share? I have never done that. If you like to share that now, uh, you are most welcome, Michael, for uh, whoever wants to. Ah, just that. want to, sh uh, uh, to share my screen? Yeah, if you like, I mean, by all means. Sure, uh, if you can pause uh, uh, maybe uh, recording for a moment. Yeah. All right, Michael, thanks for this. I didn't prepare you, so here we go. Sure. <laughs> but thanks for sharing. I think it's no really problem. nice. Yeah. So yeah, so basically I want to uh, uh, define the canvas uh, that uh, will give people kind of high level overview of the business and also start uh, kind of force people to answer the main questions and structure the thought when they think about uh, the e-commerce, yeah? So as I said, there's four questions. What are your customers and how you reach them? Products and offers, how much you charge people and what's your customer uh, buying experience? And uh, then uh, uh, it basically goes to these 11 blocks. 
mm -hmm. that I define. So again, talking about customers, products, merchandising, and product discoveries, prices, promotion, shopping cart, checkout, payment, and orders. That's really the main components of any e-commerce system. It doesn't matter what you sell. Right. And it doesn't matter what your business, yeah? Um, and then um, maybe I'll skip this to kind of do not to bore uh, uh, your customers, but basically you can end up with a, um, your uh, commerce uh, representation of your business on high level, on this level. It can be one page, can be uh, two pages. So when I'm working with customers, I'm actually walking them through this process. Mm -hmm. And uh, because um, not everybody has the same level of knowledge on e-commerce and functionality. Sometimes I also combining this with, with my course because I'm explaining to people what is merchandising, mm -hmm. what you can do. Do you know how to use merchandising? What options you use? How, okay, you are not in this uh, industry, but this industry or B2C, you in B2B, but B2C is using this this way. What can you borrow? What you can uh, learn from them, yeah? So I maybe also show you a couple of slides, no. Okay, it's a little, uh, I don't want to bore you much, but basically- No, you're not boring at all. I think, you know, yeah. if I may just uh, uh, say something here. So first mm -hmm. off, thanks for sharing, Michael. And I, I saw something very similar when I was working uh, very closely with Mariano. He had, they developed a course called ACOM, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Basically, e-commerce or commerce, let's call it commerce, is so complex yes. because one of the, each one of these boxes you're sharing is a competence that, you know, of course, it depends on the size mm -hmm. of, the, of, of the brand or retailer, but it's a competence that you need to have in-house. So for customers, you have, you had maybe five or six sub-items, and then you have logistics, and then you have search, and then you have pricing, and it's very complex, you know? Loyalty, right? Um, and so I, I think sometimes people just don't don't grasp that complexity that it it has, right? When... Absolutely, uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And uh, uh, the interesting, I also like want to show you, for example, uh, from one of my uh, uh, customer, which so that's re actually a result of what we, we went uh, uh, through that, yeah. And uh, they also use colors to highlight the functionality that they have now, functionality they want to have in the future, yeah. Um, we also added uh, more stuff because B2B customers, we added also some features in, uh, uh, for B2B uh, for them, yeah. And this really great, creates you, kind of you can create this canvas and then you can share with your team inside your organization and say, here, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> this is why we need and this is why. And then of course you can go into different uh, level of details and flows and decide how your products are flowing, how your orders uh, are processed uh, and so on. But this is a place to start. And this kind of why um, Canvas really uh, helped. And I also uh, organized my course based on this Canvas structure. Mm -hmm. um, because again, when, you, when you're teaching something, you need structure most of all, for yeah? Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, so do it. So uh, the canvas really uh, helped me to uh, organize this information. Mm -hmm. And the reason I kind of came up with the idea, of course, because I saw many uh, businesses uh, struggling with uh, actually implementation part. Mm -hmm. They have uh, talented uh, and smart people who do know their business. Mm -hmm. 
But in most cases, these people don't have uh, e-commerce experience or have limited e-commerce experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, basically, whatever you implement, your implementation will be as good as your team. That's sure, sure. Uh, um, obvious when you think about it. Yeah? Um, to get uh, really experience in uh, e-commerce, or probably in every industry, it takes many years of, well, experience yeah. Yeah. doing this. Yeah? Uh, and now we're kind of finding ourselves in a situation when uh, every business is accelerating on the digital commerce initiative, which means they're expanding, mm -hmm. uh, or many businesses who actually still don't have proper e-commerce starting on it. So all of a sudden, the really demand is growing, but you cannot uh, get experienced people, um, like pool of available experienced people um, increases at the same pace. It's just impossible. So, okay, you can continue stealing people from each other. Yeah, that's one way of doing, but are you also going, not only going to get people, you're going to lose people. And it's also, if you really want to transform your business, this knowledge of e-commerce should be um, really integrated into all uh, parts of your organization. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't stay in IT. Yeah, your, your business people uh, uh, need to have it. Yeah, so this is why I also try to make this uh, course um, basically not technical. You need to be in business, you need to understand uh, the business, sorry, understand how business operate, but I want to teach people digital commerce, not uh, kind of what programming languages uh, uh, to use uh, uh, to do it, yeah. Um, I see the really this big gap in um, educational uh, services and materials that provided. There's a lot of things that kind of, okay, I'm a small seller. I want to start dropshipping business on Shopify. There's a lot of courses for this, yeah? Or a lot of materials for this. Um, there's also a quite substantial amount for developers. Okay, how to develop in Magento. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing that was focused kind of on uh, business and operation. Mm -hmm. and implementation for professionals involved into doing this yeah so i created course and actually had people taking this with different uh, roles uh developers uh, project manager sales people uh, program manager director of e-commerce it's really touching uh, all different areas because it introduces fundamentals of digital commerce I'm using, yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I, I find it fascinating because, because on, the, on the one hand, we have, sometimes I don't know if I get annoyed at it, but we have uh, too much money in the world and funds uh, and VCs, they have a logic and they just want to squeeze as much dollars as they can, you know, but they... They, they are just squeezing stuff. And then here you don't have people who are educated or experienced enough to make stuff happen. So what happens in the market is what you're saying. People are just uh, paying top dollar price for talent when actually the most fundamental problem we have or challenge, let's say in society today is education, right? And, and I mean, we live in a, in a, in a digital society where everything, I mean, there's no going back and, we can talk about NFTs and all the trends that you see today, yes, yes. you know, because it's all part of commerce. Everything is commerce. Everything is, is interconnected. And so I find that topic uh, so interesting, Michael, you know, that a guy uh, at your stature and, and level has come to the realization that, well, 
I shouldn't maybe join a new company. I should focus on education, you know, and, and help, uh, <laughs> you know, cause, cause that, that's the only way for society to, uh, to better being more philosophic here, you know, and to have more people understanding about commerce, you know, learning how to do this and it takes time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I uh, really, because um, again, working for these e-commerce platform vendors, yeah, I of course was uh, working with many customers and really saw people uh, struggling this. I even actually saw uh, even developers in companies, in e-commerce platform companies were confused quite often about e-commerce concepts. Like uh, uh, what's configurable product? How is different for configurable bundle? What's actually bundle? Mm -hmm. yeah? um, or how you do uh, subscription pricing? So I really saw this need and um, what was a bit surprising for me, but um, one of the first kind of customers uh, for my course were uh, e-commerce uh, agencies or uh, IT companies that implementing uh, <laughs> e-commerce, yeah? Uh, so the people were basically just buying um, enterprise license uh, for the course to make it part of the onboarding. But if you think about it, um, they are hiring probably 10, 15 people a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they may hiring the, the brightest developers or brightest product manager or brightest salespeople. But these people may not have enough e-commerce knowledge. They may be coming from different, different industry. Yeah. So to make it part, if you have a big uh, e-commerce team, either internal or you are in business of providing such services and consulting to other companies, implementation services for e-commerce, yeah, then kind of train all your staff mm -hmm. on e-commerce. Even like salespeople, I had uh, uh, agencies who all salespeople went through the course because they should, when they are selling their services to clients, they should know e-commerce better than their clients. Otherwise, they don't have credibility. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's uh, uh, kind of uh, interesting. And um, of course, it took me a lot of work uh, to do. Uh, I was uh, unrealistically optimistic of how fast I can do it. Yeah, because mm -hmm. uh, I, I have expertise. I even presented a uh, couple of times on conferences about this. So <laughs> everything should be fine. Yeah. So uh, one year later, <laughs> it, takes, uh, takes time. it takes time. Yeah. So uh, I have a, a one course online now that uh, more than five hours of recorded materials with tests and certification and all of that. Uh, I'm using about 400 examples because I really like people to get example from real world. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is how this company is doing that. Yeah. Can you implement in your business? I really. Uh, the main goal of the course is inspire people to think what uh, they can use in, in their business. Don't think, okay, we'll just settle for what our vendor tells us uh, uh, to do, yeah? Or we just take our ERP processes and reproduce them online, yeah? So like, which unfortunately some companies still do. So it's really a question of inspiration and all of that, yeah? So uh, this course is online. Uh, I'm, uh, my goal is that the next uh, three months, uh, I'm going to release also course for B2B mm -hmm. because B2B commerce is uh, really mushrooming and B2B organizations, these manufacturers, distributors, uh, they have even less experience in e-commerce. Mm -hmm. And um, there's so much they can do, so much best knowledge, best practice that's already available. 
that can really benefit their business. Mm -hmm. And, but they basically don't have stuff to comprehend it. So for, let, let's, let's take the B2B as a next wave, right? Mm -hmm. Or direct to consumer as people like to call it nowadays, right? As the, the big next wave that's happening, but maybe a little more slowly, I don't know. Maybe you can comment a little bit, a bit about that. So how's, uh, what are you seeing there, uh, Michael? And why, is, so knowledge, it's a challenge because they don't have it in house. They have always done, you know, production going through intermediaries, yeah. right? And never needed that. And so why is commerce now a thing for them? And, and, and what's your take? Um, many of them see uh, Amazon or uh, other e-commerce uh, giants are really eating their lunch. That's kind of uh, uh, <laughs> really hit the, uh, hit the home, yeah, so um, to do it. They also see that um, the buyers who work for their customers, it's a different generation now. Right. It's uh, uh, more your age than mine. And uh, they are basically just, they grew up with e-commerce. They expect the same level usability uh, and simplicity and transparency and all information about products as we really expect as consumers now. So the company, uh, there was a research done that um, some B2B buyers are ready even to pay higher price if they get this convenience of buying uh, uh, online. Mm -hmm. like, um, majority of searches, even for B2B product, research starts online. There's no way of going down this. So basically, if you're not selling online, um, you're really jeopardizing your business. And in several years, it can be relevant because you cannot uh, um, provide customers what, uh, what they need. Yeah? I think what you're saying is really interesting because my mind just already went to Netflix and think of the Netflix model where Netflix mm -hmm. started, you know, challenging Blockbuster, nobody believed in them and blah, blah, blah. Commerce as well. You have a credit card there. You can stream stuff, right? So uh, now Netflix has a lot of competitors because Disney and CNN and mm -hmm. all of them realized that, wow, you know, Netflix was taking advantage of our movies. So we're gonna close our spaces mm -hmm. here and ecosystems, so to speak. And so these companies are becoming production companies now because the only way to be innovative is producing new series, if you like, right? Yes. So Netflix. Yeah. Uh, right, the, the art production company. Yeah, and, 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 and then if you think of just drawing a parallel here, here between uh, what you said about Amazon, right? Uh, eating their lunch and, and um, a new generation of buyers. Is it fair maybe to, to think that B2B companies also could be going towards, you know, having their own, creating their own ecosystem, you know, of, so say if you're Pitney Bowles, you know, in the US, and then you have a, a bunch of suppliers, but maybe you can go direct to consumers, and then maybe you can also have a marketplace and, you know, Absolutely. just going. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, all kind of goes uh, <laughs> in. in um, yeah, I was uh, uh, implementing Marketplace uh, when I was at Spryker and had very lot of interesting customers. Um, it's a fascinating business model. Mm -hmm. um, and people don't really realize 
uh, how many marketplaces could be. And um, we just think about eBay, Amazon, we just think as consumers about marketplace. But uh, would you see as an airport a marketplace? Airport, Probably yes, not, yeah? yes. But uh, Frankfurt Airport and Munich Airport are marketplaces. They have mm -hmm. their own uh, um, shop and they also have a bunch of other shops and they uh, really create single digital uh, online experience for uh, for customers. Yeah, um, Or you can have a, a direct-to-consumer brand or uh, even uh, manufacturers. Yeah, um, I work with a really interesting um, customer. It's Spryker customers. Um, it's one of the, uh, these uh, very old uh, and traditional uh, German companies uh, called Prim. They uh, produce uh, things for craft, you know, like women want to do knitting or sewing mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, um, they 500 years old, but super innovative. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. So um, they uh, have uh, a lot of suppliers, um, like big uh, uh, stores, I don't know, Michaels in the uh, United States and Canada, yeah, uh, for example. But they also have a lot of small shops. Where just neighborhood shop, where some uh, um, woman who owns this shop, she runs some classes and so on. Yeah, and um, so they created marketplace that allows uh, these uh, uh, women to create their own, uh, become kind of merchant on this marketplace, offer their classes online, schedule them, offer their design online yeah so um the really marketplace model all of a sudden brings all these even small suppliers and digitally enables them yeah so this is just one of example and i have hundreds of examples when a marketplace makes sense for both b2c and b2b uh, uh companies so that's uh, definitely one of the trend more advanced trend i think company first needs to take care of their own digital infrastructure and the digital capabilities but then uh, there's uh, no reason why not to extend it further with marketplace. Nice. How about how about um, you know? Because that's that's what I see happening in Brazil and probably other countries as well. So maybe one of the first steps is a marketplace. So you were like already a large retailer, right? And then you create a marketplace. But then you have this amount of data that you can maybe create a bank, right? And yes. on top of that and so that that's why I meant about that's what I you know I think I tried to convey with the ecosystem. Yes. There are so many possibilities that sometimes people just uh, just think it's e-commerce when it's actually something much much Smart, more much more bigger. Yes, much yeah. more. Bigger. That's, uh, that's, that's you're absolutely right. <laughs> Very interesting, uh, Michael. Um, let's talk a little bit about then um, you know maybe your views on 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 the future. I, I think I would love to have a panel with you as I already said that I will introduce you to someone. <laughs> uh, we will speak about this after the, this podcast, but your views on, on the future of what you're doing and, and your, um, I think your, your take on everything you said today. Yeah, I uh, uh, definitely uh, want to continue with uh, providing uh, this uh, training for professionals who involved in e-commerce. I'm really focusing on uh, team who are working for uh, medium or large companies and in one way or another are involved into digital 
commerce implementations or operations on their side. Yeah. So really, uh, this was the reason why I started commerce is digital. Kind of this is my my main uh, motivation to spread this knowledge. I think we can all uh, can benefit uh, from uh, from it as a as an industry. And that's uh, the digital commerce skills gap that I'm uh, trying uh, to help. Um, there's a lot of um, interesting. Um, projects that uh, I'm doing also there's uh, some other people who are interesting to extend uh, the school uh, that I'm building uh, with me um, and I already mentioned b2b um, commerce that uh, is a kind of a next uh, next project but, but there's many other ideas um, that I have for example I uh, really see that this universal commerce and retail, um, there's really a revolution happening here. Like with, uh, um, we see this um, digital uh, area and digital technologies invading physical space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from uh, not checkout uh, uh, stores to QR codes everywhere when you can get uh, information about customers. There's uh, really amazing uh, technologies that. <clears throat> start even personalizing uh, customer experience inside retail store based on all the information you're doing. So I think that's, that's is also um, probably some area where I want to create a course for organizations that have both physical presence and digital presence and how they can converge these two things together to really grow business on both sides. Very nice. I, I, I saw one sentence here um, from it's a it's a consultant e-commerce consultant on LinkedIn, and I, mm -hmm. I would like your, just your take on this. Um, I think I tagged you and I tagged uh, some people because I thought it was interesting. So he says that he's taking a break from uh, a break from LinkedIn, uh, but he just wanted to get this out there. What I do find that most headless vendors get wrong in their messaging. Most who are trying to be the next mid-market or up-market Shopify. APIs and decoupling give you flexibility. Flexibility does not always yield results or productivity or low cost of ownership or revenue. Decoupling and flexibility don't even always yield best of breed from an end-to-end -end solution point of view. In business, the best results are achieved from the best system. Systems are a combination of people, process, and technology working together to generate value, reduce errors, and improve profitability, customer experience, etc. The technology is 20% of it. The people are 50% of it. And the process is 30% of it. What do you make of it? <laughs> I think there's a uh, very uh, interesting point, and I have a, a strong opinion on several of them. So uh, <laughs> you probably need another meeting. But <laughs> um, first of all, I really think that uh, industry did its best to introduce super confusing terminology. Yeah, for sure. And uh, market uh, the hell out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when I'm consulting people, including some uh, investors, I have very smart people, like super smart people, asking very silly questions. 
and it's not their fault. It's fault of our industry. So mm -hmm. I even uh, um, created uh, iconography. You can find it on my blog that called uh, "Cutting Through E-Commerce Vendors Jargon." Um, or analysts, if you ask me, gardeners and all the all the crap. analysts. I'm sorry, I can right, say that. Right. <laughs> so, right, because they dictate what the boards are going to demand from or from whatever without Endless. knowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is this headless? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you at the end you still need a head, which um. It's interesting, like uh, commerce tools, which I, I have great respect for these companies, they have really great technology, and the CPO is um, claiming that he invented this headless uh, uh, term, and I had discussion with him about this, but at the end, they just bought a head. Mm -hmm. They just bought a <laughs> company, Frontastic, that provides head for the headless e-commerce, yeah? Um, and uh, definitely, I'm uh, as former developer, I fully understand this flexibility argument, API first, and that's all absolutely necessary. Uh, however, not every customer needs this complexity. Thanks. Yeah? There's uh, uh, plenty of customers who are saying, oh, you as a vendor provide, uh, it's good that you have API. I think that's mandatory right now, but you have out-of-box storefront. Perfect, I'll take it. It will uh, save me uh, three months on development. and. Yeah, really, I'm not fashion brand, so your store is mostly okay for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think there's, uh, uh, there's things that um, we got over uh, too much on the side of technology and technology terminology. What's microservices? Why me as a buyer of uh, your software care about microservices? Microservices is a technical term. It's how developers decided to split their software. Yeah. And it's possible that uh, just a, a shopping cart or checkout is 20 microservices. As a business buyer, do I care or not? There also there's many examples when people going uh, overboard with microservices and just do design not the best way and introduce too much complexity. Yeah? So I think what um, actually Gartner in this case introduced a better term, which is composable commerce, when uh, and uh, packaged business capabilities which we start talking about splitting e-commerce functionality into components that are understood by business. I have cart. Okay, good. I have PIM. This is a, a something product information management. I can understand what it is. Yeah. Uh, if it's done internally in 20 microservices, okay, discuss it with my architect, but it's not something that uh, this business needs to understand. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, all these headless and uh, microservices and monolith, and I'm getting question. Uh, uh, monolith means not uh, headless. No, monolith can be uh, can be headless. Shopify is monolith and has APIs. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, like people are really mixing this um, terminology, and honestly, I think it's really vendors and some analysts' fault. I agree. Be confusing the market for the sake of not so healthy marketing, I would say. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I think that's a, a very nice way of uh, wrapping this up, to be very honest. Uh, Michael, uh, thank you very much for this, for sharing your time, sharing your knowledge. Um, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to definitely be, um, you know, inviting you to collaborate more if you like. Uh, it's been uh, an honor as well to, to meet you, man. So thank you.
Thank you, Carlos. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me. I enjoy this conversation. I think that uh, you are a great communicator. And uh, anybody uh, who is not following Carlos yet on LinkedIn, please do. <laughs> it's super inspiration, definitely for, for me, for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Michael.